1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
2: Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam for Yadier Molina. You bet! This is Sports Open
3: Line on KMOX. We continue on one hour down, one to go. The World Series is underway. Game one, Phillies, Astros, and uh, the first batter of the game, Kyle Schwarber, is at the plate behind in the count against Justin Verlander, 0-2, and we'll keep you updated as we go along. I was going to jump right into the St. Louis Blues, and we'll get into that in a second, but I'm very bad at recognizing that when I get texts and tweets, those represent – a minority of the people listening. But I, I got, I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm a little bit frustrated right now because last hour we basically spent the entire hour breaking down the World Series. We had a guest on from Philadelphia. We had a guest on from Houston. Like we were really locked in. We went long on those interviews. My final segment last hour went four and a half minutes. I had four and a half minutes and I wanted to mention something that's been getting a lot of. National news attention. The fact that for the first time since 1950, there are no black players on the World Series roster. I don't think that's controversial. Now, I'm on the radio, and I need to be very careful in the words that I use when we get to any type of story that uh, involves uh, skin color. But I didn't think there was anything crazy about talking about that. It's first time since 1950. That is something. And text line blew up a little bit. Got one. Wow, Matt Pauly. Comment about the color of skin of players in the World Series. saying it's bad luck. No, it's just the way it worked out. What a prejudiced statement. So somebody saying that I'm making prejudiced statements. Uh, Another texter who I I read their text from, who I, I don't know if they didn't appreciate my response to it, said, I'm glad there's other sports shows to listen to. What are we doing? What are we doing here? Real what what are we doing? You're that offended that I bring up a sports story that is connected to skin color a little bit, and you're so offended by that that you're gonna call me prejudiced, that you're gonna tell me I'm gonna go listen to other sports shows? Oh right, like go. I don't find I don't that's fine. If you want to, that's fine. I spent ninety-five percent of last hour. Going very X's and O's and breaking down the World Series. And I wanted to mention something for just a few minutes. First time since 1950 that neither roster has a black player on it. And why is that? And explaining what Major League Baseball is doing to address the issue. And we get people freaking out about that. Why? Why? Four and a half minutes. Four and a half minutes. I'm glad there's other sports shows to listen to. Cool, man. That's awesome. All right, let's get into the Blues a little bit. They lose yesterday. They've lost three in a row. Um, I I don't know what to make of this team right now. They won the first three. They've lost the last three. They're getting outscored by a ton right now. These last three games, uh, they've been outscored 13-3. to It's early. It's early, right? And that's part of what's going on right now. Now, Craig Berube spoke with the media yesterday, obviously, after the game, and Uh, he was asked about what they're doing from an offensive standpoint. They scored two goals yesterday after they scored one goal in the game before. They got shut out uh, the game before that. Uh, Berube did say that he does feel like the offense is getting a little bit better.
4: There was some forced plays, but um, I liked our, I thought we competed competed hard tonight. I thought we were better offensively. You know, we had good looks. Again, you know, didn't go in it, you know, but I liked our battle at the net more.
3: So that was uh, Craig Beruby's talking about the offense being a little bit better. Also talked about uh, the way his team was able to compete. Um,
4: you know, the bottom line is we're competing hard. I like that. Our, you know, we, it's a heavy game here today. I thought that we showed up, but uh, in the end, we got to make less mistakes and just keep going. Um, pucks will go in eventually.
3: Tori Krug also spoke out with the media yesterday and. When you get into one of these little ruts, and I don't even know if we should call it a rut at this point, it's, it's three games, uh, and it's it's still so early, uh, but you can kind of start to try to force things uh, when things are not going your way. Yeah, we're forced, and I think uh, whether it's early in the season or not, I think we feel the pressure to score goals 5-on-5, uh, five five, and uh, I think we're just trying to make something out of nothing rather than sticking with the game plan and, and letting our process dictate the game. So, um, yeah, we have a lot of work to do. You know, we discussed this earlier, and I think one of the things that we've seen recently is what the team is doing in front of the net. And that that's probably from both an offensive and defensive standpoint. It was after the game. I believe it was after the Oilers game, so that's two games ago. I think it was that one and not the Winnipeg game, but one of those two games. Uh, Craig Barubi said after the game that he feels like from an offensive standpoint, the, the forwards they they got to get closer to the net they've got to be able to you know you got to find some of those dirty goals out there and then from a defensive standpoint not that uh not that Grice was especially good yesterday but i don't think the defense gave him a lot of help all at the same time and they certainly uh there were certainly some open looks on him and maybe he did not have uh the traffic that he wanted and uh Krug talked about just uh you got to be strong in front of uh, both nets for you to go out and have some success. Yeah, you got to be stronger in front of our net. Uh, you got to win the battles in, in front of their net, in front of our net, and mm-hmm. um, you know be strong around our goaltenders. Uh, <laughs> problem is, there's a lot of shots coming in, mm-hmm. and um, you know it, it can be tough to do. But um, we've done it before. Uh, just a couple nights ago, uh, we played a great game um, defensively, and we kept the puck out of our net, and we were good in front of our, our own mm-hmm. net. So uh, we got to clean it up. So there's some of the main comments coming out of the uh, the locker room and from the podium after uh, last night's game. Again, I if you're overly worried about anything at this point in time, I I, I don't I don't think it's overly valid at this point. Now, I, I said this a lot about the Cardinals when they were going down the stretch of the season. I said if if you're worried about the way things were in September, I don't think that's completely valid. However. If they have a slow playoff and those problems do continue, then you almost retroactively can go back and say, okay, well, I guess September did actually did actually matter. It's kind of the same way here. It's still so early on in the season. They won their first three games. They lost their last three games. I do think it's important at this point that they do get into more of a routine, and they're just now starting to get into that. But even if you look at... You, they were the last team to play their first game. They were the last team to play their second game of the season. Even that, they from the first Saturday to the second Saturday, they had only played three games. Uh, then all of a sudden they have their first back-to-back. Like the, the schedule just hasn't – it has not been con- conducive to getting into a rhythm, and now it is. So they play Thursday, then they go tomorrow, then they play on Monday, Thursday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday. Uh, they don't have another back-to-back until November 25th and November 26th, and those are both on the road against Tampa Bay and Florida. Uh, they're gonna, they're, it's going to be more about either staying at home or being on the road. Uh, they're gonna start a three-game home stand, then they'll go on the road for two. They do have kind of a random home game in there, but then they're back. On the road for three before they're home for three. So, this is one of those things where give it another few weeks. As, the, as they get into uh, late November, that's where we're able to really assess uh, what's going on uh, with this team. I think that I believe in them from an offensive standpoint. If I have any questions about this team, it's still absolutely from a defensive standpoint. And just the way that roster is built and who they have, if there are legitimate questions, it for me, it does come from a defensive standpoint. I think this is a good goal-scoring team. They're just not scoring a lot of goals right now. And in all likelihood that's going to change. We'll find out What uh, Scott Warman thinks about it. He uh, covers the blues as uh, one of the studio hosts on uh, Bally Sports Midwest. He's kind of an adjacent sports member here at KMOX. You hear him on occasion hosting this show, uh, doing other things. So uh, we'll talk with Scott Warman. He joins us next. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX.
2: get ready for monday night football as the browns play the bengals kickoff at seven hear the game on 98.7 fm 11
0: a.m and streaming on kmox.com. <laughs>
3: Sports open line does continue. It's like he just scored a goal and now he's coming to uh, coming to the microphone to talk with us. It is Bally uh, Sports Midwest, Scott Warman. I also say he's Camo uh, X Sports adjacent. You hear him occasionally here doing this or other things. Scott joins us right now. Hey, Scott, how are you?
5: Maddie, I'm doing well. I just want to let all the great Camo listeners know that there is a coincidence that Albert Pujol's strong start in the second half because Matt Pauly came back home. Take all the credit, Matty. I'm giving it to you, brother. It was I, fun.
3: I like it. I, By the way, not to just keep patting myself on the back, I also take credit for the Brewers' demise.
5: <laughs> there you go. Yes. Perfect. Yeah,
0: <laughs>
5: <laughs> Had nothing to do with Josh Hader being traded or anything nope. like that, but that's besides the point.
3: <laughs> I mean, David Stearns could not imagine overseeing a baseball operation for a team that doesn't have Matt Pauly hosting their postgame show.
5: That's exactly yep. right. <laughs> All fell by the wayside, maybe.
3: <laughs> uh, let's get into this like I, I'm one of these people that just early on in the season, I don't really think much of anything matters. They got off to the three you know, they've won their first three, they've lost their last three. Admittedly they're not you know, it looks bad because they've been outscored thirteen three over those last three games, but I think they're a good offensive club. Is there anything to learn from these first six games with the blues?
5: Um, I agree with you. I think it's early. I think there's two things you can take into a, a, an account, if you will. Um, first of all, I think the goaltending has been outstanding with Jordan Bennington. And even last night with Thomas Grice, he played well. A couple of uh, rebounds, uh, not getting some help in front of him. So we've only seen two games from the new Blues backup goaltender. But I would like what I've seen from Grice. And I think, you know, Goaltending is so important to success of a hockey team and to see Jordan Bennington playing at the level that he's playing at is a positive. The other part of it, yes, you think about last year, the Blues had the highest scoring team from an organizational standpoint, and Matty have to go back to When Brett Hall scored 86 goals in the 90-91 season, the Blues tore it up that year. They just barely lost the President's Trophy uh, to the Chicago Blackhawks that year. Bounced out in the second round. That was the highest scoring team in Blues history in 90-91. So yes, the Blues had a ton of scoring last year, so now we're not seeing all the scoring as you're alluding to, Matt, here in the opening stages of the season. It's a little different. but Brings up to my point, I think what was overlooked in all the success that this Blues team had last year. And let's face it, the toughest series the Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche had was the second-round series against the Blues. And to me, if Jordan Bennington doesn't get hurt, because I think, and I know other people that I work with that have played the game agree with me, is the fact that if Bennington doesn't get hurt, the Blues may may wind up beating the Avalanche in that series. But one of the players, I think, that kind of got overlooked because there was so much success with so many guys scoring at least 20 goals last year, Matt, is Pavlo Buchnevich. And I think we're seeing this right now. Bucinavich has been out of the lineup with this injury. Uh, and here's a guy that not only he brings a lot from an offensive standpoint, as they'll say, as Craig Berube, the Blues head coach, will say, he's a 200-foot player. He can play on your penalty kill as well as your power play, five-on-five. Five. Great chemistry between him and Robert Thomas, and Vlade Tarasenko. I think you're missing that. I think the other thing, and stating the obvious, is the Blues need a little bit more out of Jordan Cairo. He might be holding mm-hmm. that stick a little tight, as they say, and he's trying to develop something. And I know last night he was with uh, Tarasenko and uh, Robert Thomas, but started out, and eventually, I think he will be with Ryan O'Reilly. We all know and respect the Blues captain and one of the great centermen uh, in the National Hockey League. But you got to develop a chemistry. And obviously, it's different for Ryan O'Reilly, too, because he just, boom, immediately developed a great rapport, great chemistry with David Perron. Obviously, Perron's not here, so you try to pick that up with a guy like Jordan Cairo. But again, Matt, I don't think there's any reason for anybody to just jump off the bridge because the Blues have just lost three in a row. Let's not forget, it's not that too far past in history. Three years ago, the Blues had the worst record in January of 2019, and we all know what happened by the end or the middle of June that year. So uh, let's kind of tap on the brakes. Let's get Brandon Saad and Pavel Buchnevich back, and let's see how this team rolls because there is a ton of talent. But I will say this. It is a little strange, and I'm looking at the standings this morning, and I see the Blues towards the bottom of the Central Division. It's been a long, long time since I've seen that, but again, it's really early.
3: Yeah, and they, the, obviously the schedule has not helped them with how the few games – Listening to Craig Berube talk after the, the night that uh, Falk had the two goals, he kind of complained about uh, the defense playing too far up into the zone. There's been some complaints about the forwards not getting close enough to the net, things like that. Is that just a case of it's early and you're kind of finding your footing or is this something that really needs to be worked on?
5: No, I think it's one of those things that it it will evolve in time. The biggest thing the Blues wanted to do coming into the season, Matt, from a defensive perspective was they wanted to bunch things up in the middle. And so what has changed from previous years, especially last year to this year, instead of when you're defending and sometimes there might be a forward or even a defender that might be chasing a player who might be skating, let's say he goes around from the near end to the far end from behind the net, and that that defenseman or forward would chase him, that's not the case anymore. It's almost kind of like um, kind of like a zone defense, if you will, where they're trying to pack things in the middle so you don't get those high percentage shots, or as at least we call it on Valley Sports Midwest, those slot shots. And so that's what you're trying to stay away from. Now, there was three rebound goals, I believe, last night for Nashville. That's something that, obviously, Craig Ruby cannot be happy with, much less Mag Van Ryan, the Blues defensive coach. But that's something that they have really uh, instilled in this year is trying to get things where you have teams shooting more uh, on the outside, more on the perimeter, where they're more high percentage or lower percentage shots and going right into the middle of the ice where you have a higher percentage. Obviously, when you get closer to the net in front of uh, Jordan Bennington, so I think that's a work in progress. The one thing that the Blues have done for a number of years, and obviously, it's crazy when you think about how many guys have changed since that 2019 Stanley Cup Championship team to the team now. But when you think about defense, there is there is a there is a an attack mode they like to get. The, the defenseman in on the play offensively. They have no problem with the defenseman coming in, pinching in when you're on the offensive end, keep the puck going as long as you do what they would call a cycle. And the cycle means you got the other defender back, but you got to have another forward back on the blue line so you don't have any odd man breaks. That's one of the critical keys, especially from a forward. You have to be uh, understanding of that when you're on the offensive end, you see one of those guys, defenseman, uh, defenseman come in, pinch in, try to play the puck, whatever, try to create something. You got to have one of those those forwards, and they'll call them. The technical term is called an F3. Uh, come back. And work the blue line so you don't have any of the odd man rushes, as I just alluded to. So that's, again, it's one of those things early in the season, uh, a work in progress. But you also think of this, if you see, think of guys like uh, Josh Levo, a guy like Tyler Pitlick. Now, granted, these guys have been in the league for a while, uh, but these guys are kind of getting thrown into the fire, so to speak, because uh, they're only on a player tryout this this uh, this training camp. They made it. They worked hard to get to this position, but this, again, points to the fact that, you know, your depth is being challenged early on because of the loss of Buchnevich and Brandon Saad.
3: Scott Warman continuing to join this. I alluded to the schedule a moment ago, and I, I hate to keep coming back to this, but it took them so long to play the first game and took so long to play the second game. And then they go on that three-game road trip and then they're finally back home. But being back home is the opening of a back-to-back, the first one of those of the year. Now they finally get into this routine of not playing back-to-back, spending time at home, spending time on the road. It feels like a hockey schedule now. How much of a benefit can that be?
5: I think it is to a I, – definitely. I mean, you think about the, the Blues opener, which was, what, two weeks from tomorrow, and Columbus was playing their third game. <laughs> I mean, everybody was, like, scratching their head. I was talking to everyone. I'm like, well, what is up with the schedule? And nobody knew. Yeah. And then you don't even play again until that Wednesday against Seattle. So you play three games in your first eight days, and then you take m- Monday's game against Winnipeg, And you tie that into the second game of this three-game homestand on Monday on Halloween against the Kings, and then you have five games in eight days. It's like, whoa, mad scramble here. So, yes, I think once you, like you're talking about, Matt, start getting into a little bit of rhythm. You can practice. I've learned this for so many years covering whatever sport it is, football, baseball, basketball, hockey, you name it. You can practice so much, but game speed is a completely different animal than it, what you're doing at practice. And especially now that we're seeing somewhat of a transformation of the game of hockey, it's not as physical as it used to be. And you have just so much more speed. These, kill, these kids now playing the game are so much faster. They're so much more skilled. And you got to be on your toes. And if you're not playing every other night, like you're pretty much used to, three games in four nights, or I'm sorry, three games in a week, yeah, you can get off your game. You can't get into a rhythm. It's just like, and you know this, Maddie, because now you've done this for a while in in broadcasting, because we can relate to this. Is we can be off for a couple of weeks and we don't do a sports open line, or we don't do a Cardinals pre or post game show. You're going to be off a little bit. Yep. You know, it's yeah. like, okay, you, you just, there's a rhythm in your head. I think I told you that years ago when you were an intern and we were working at KFNS together. There's just, there's a rhythm. The same thing with basketball. I'll never forget my good friend Bob Ramsey, the voice of the Billikins. And when I was first getting my feet wet in the business, and Rammer turned to me and he said, Scotty, he goes, the exhibition games, he was talking about SLU at the time, the exhibition games are more, are for more than just the coaches and the players there are for us broadcasters too, because I've been done a college basketball game since last March. So I need to get up to speed. We need to get the engineering rolling the people need to get rolling because they haven't been working in the arena. It's the same thing as I swing back to, to hockey. You try to get in that rhythm. You try to get in that mode. I, I, I don't want to use that as an excuse because the Blues were 3-0 and in their first three games. But I think that that definitely, when you got other teams that are a little bit more on their toes, because they've had more games, they've had more reps at that game speed, definitely uh, can play a role. But I, I will say this, uh, the Blues game, I, I I was doing a football game, but I, I taped it and I watched it. The Blues game defensively against Edmonton in Edmonton last Saturday was a thing of beauty it was absolutely spectacularly put together by that hockey team especially for just their third game uh in what a week and a half when the season had already started so again i i'm not concerned about this hockey team at all sure you need to get some more scoring going and i think definitely it will what it's almost like a domino effect once one finally falls in for Cairo, we know ryan o'reilly finally got a goal uh, the other night as well, once that gets rolling, I think uh, you'll see this team really starting to roll.
3: I don't want to get you out of here without uh, just a quick moment about the Missouri Valley Football Conference, especially the local teams. Missouri State had, had a good start. They really a lot of anticipation about their season, but now they've lost a, a good number of games in a row. While Southern Illinois, maybe a little bit of a surprise how good they've been. i uh, have only lost once in conference play. That's against South Dakota. So uh, those two teams, I know obviously a lot of local people are interested in them.
5: Absolutely. In fact, I did Missouri State about a month ago, and they lost to South Dakota State, who's the, now the number one team in the country. As they knocked off North Dakota State a couple of weeks ago. And for those that don't know, the Missouri Valley Football Conference—they're not—they're basically Division One A. They're the FCS, not the FBS. But again, I, I work for them. But it is—it's tr- truly the SEC of the F- FCS. Uh, last year, there's 24 teams. There's an actual tournament, how about that, mm-hmm. uh, for FCS. And out of the 24 teams around the country, six of them came out of the Missouri Valley Football Conference. The year before that, we had five teams. And I know Indiana State kind of felt snubbed I go back to 2019, not 2020, obviously. But this year, uh, the situation where Southern Illinois has been terrific. Uh, they've been in the top 25. A little bit of a surprise, to be honest with you, Matt, uh, with the loss to South Dakota. They got a big matchup uh, down at uh, uh, Saluki Stadium tomorrow as they'll take on a Northern Iowa team. Uh, but Southern's still in the top 25. Missouri State is one that puzzles me. They have so much talent. They're ranked in the top 10 to begin the season. And they almost, almost beat Arkansas. If it wasn't for a huge fourth quarter run by the Razorbacks in Fayetteville, Fayetteville, Missouri State, more than likely wins that football game. They barely lose it. They get a touchdown late in the game. They meaning the Razorbacks the following week, South Dakota state came in and they were impressive and they were beat up as a team. And I even told some of the people in the Valley, I said, look, I think as good as North Dakota state is, and I get to see them next week in Western Illinois, I think South Dakota state's better than North Dakota state. Sure enough, they won that matchup in the Dakota marker game a couple of weeks ago. And I, I would not be surprised if you, could potentially could see something that we saw back in 2014 in the national championship game when North Dakota state faced off against Illinois state for the national championship, two teams from the Missouri Valley football conference. I would not be surprised if you see South Dakota state, North Dakota state round two in the championship Mm -hmm. game of the FCS. That's how good those football teams are. And I think we'll still get four or five teams into the tournament because it is really a very deep uh, league. There's no question.
3: He is Scott Warman, studio host on Valley Sports Midwest, voice of the Missouri Valley Football Conference. You hear him here a lot as well. Scott, thanks so much for your time. We'll have you on again real soon. All right, sounds good, buddy. Have a good one. Uh, You too. There's Scott Warman uh, joining us here on the program. We'll take a break. Uh, We'll hear Adam Wainwright's comments that he made right here on KMOX earlier today. We'll do that next. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX
2: welcome back to the meyer jensen sports open line swing it along with the left that's a grand slam for yadier molina you bet. this is sports open line
3: on jmox astros is striking first in the world series they are in the second inning kyle tucker just hit a home run for the astros and they have a one 0 lead we will keep you updated on that as we go along, Adam Wainwright, uh, he along with the Cardinals announcing earlier in the week that he would be returning for one more season in St. Louis. He doesn't want to make a big deal with the fact that's going to be his final season, but he did kind of sheepishly admit that it will be his final season playing Major League Baseball. This morning, he was on uh, the show with Kevin, Amy and Chris.
2: Wainwright, kind enough to join us here on your home for the Cardinals, KMOX. Uh, Adam, congratulations on getting the deal done. Got it done uh, quite a bit quicker this year than last year. You didn't have to go through all of the offseason and free agency and all of that this season.
4: I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, and thanks for the congrats. I'm glad to, yeah, I didn't want to wait around, man. We, we're, uh, we're in a good spot, and uh, we've got a good thing going forward with our team and our organization, so glad to be a part of it.
2: So I know we spent most of the season, uh, really all of the season until it was over, not knowing what you were going to do. How much of the season did you spend not knowing what you were going to do?
4: I mean, I had a feeling um, about halfway through that I was that I was going to come back and play again. I was still pitching at a, at a high level and having fun. And my, my family was starting to talk about maybe next year or one more year or whatever. And um but you know there was times where I went back and forth if if I pitched bad it was it was much more likely the next day I was like what am I doing maybe I should retire you know um but if I pitched good then I'm like hey maybe I could do this another year you know uh, the thing about it is I still love playing I still have fun I still feel like I can do it at eye level and and I always said that my biggest fear about uh playing baseball too long is just becoming mediocre and I just I do not want to become mediocre at the game. And, and, uh, you know, until that last three or four starts of the season, I was still pushing to get back under three on my ERA and, and uh, only a couple of guys a year do that. So, uh, was th- th- in a good spot, I, you know, I got things worked out now where I can have some success again next year. Just got to stay healthy and keep working hard. And, and, uh, there's no, there's no doubt. I still want to be great. And, and, um, that's the thing, man. People, people tell me, you know, when you're done and, uh, I, I'd never got that like, man, I'm done feeling, you know, this last year and, and um I just don't want to leave anything unturned. I we got a great chance to win. There's some things on the horizon that are very close to attaining for me. Personally, that would be great. But um the coming back is the, the main reason I'm coming back is to win a World Series and, and bring another championship home to St. Louis.
2: Maybe it's an answer you don't have, but had you gone to a World Series this year, do you think this would have been
4: it? But I think if we'd have got to two hundred wins and we'd have won a World Series, um, I'd be working on my golf game real hard right now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you know, it's it's funny listening to the, the answers, Wayne, from the other day, just going through all the different elements that you went down to talking about the the adjustments following the season and figuring out why September wasn't was wasn't what it was. It brought me back to just kind of the changes uh in peop- in, in our ability to understand what's going on in a delivery in a player because there would be times in the past everything would be an anecdotal observation and people would be like ah adam's done but then when you can look at the video and go step by step and people have access to it it's just a lot easier to come up with explanations for simple things
4: well that's right and and, and i didn't necessarily believe uh the problem was what the problem was until i saw the analytical side of it also i mean that helped me understand and and actually get into a better frame of reference as far as my mind was going and going, okay, maybe I'm not over the hill. Maybe this was a thing. And then I went out there and I worked on it, and, and within three days, well, a lot of hours, but within three days, things really clicked. And I'm going, okay, man, that's that's how it's supposed to feel right there. But, um, you know, it's one thing to to, to say this was a problem, You know, this was an excuse that I'm going to, you know, and I fought against using it. I didn't want to use it. But you can look at the statistical analytical evidence behind what I'm saying, and you can say, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, what he's saying makes sense. And that, that's when I saw that, I went, oh gosh, what these trainers have been saying makes sense. Because I was battling the trainers. They kept saying, dude, your leg, you know, it it shut you down a little bit more than you wanted. And I'm going, y'all, quit. Stop that, man. I'm good, you know. And, uh, but, but, you know, end up those trainers who, are really smart and been doing it for a long time. Ended up they knew what they were talking about after all.
3: When you did push back a bit against the trainers, was it just something you had never experienced before, so you didn't think that was it, or you just couldn't feel it?
4: Well, it's hard because I couldn't feel what they were telling me was happening. You know, and uh, that this happened a little bit in 2016 after my Achilles in 15. Everything felt great, but my foot was not my calf was not strong enough my left leg to stick that landing and so every time I threw a pitch I would spin off uh and and I couldn't drive through my pitches like I wanted to because my arm was really strong and felt like I should be throwing it really great and and uh the pitches that, I, that were coming out of me were not right I couldn't figure out what it was and end up as we did some strength and stuff in that left calf as the season wore on everything started to click in a little bit better but uh, you know, th- there's things like that. When you pitch a long time, crazy funny things happen. I've been hit way harder. I mean, it was 104 miles an hour off the bat, but it, it hit me in a spot where I'm like, gosh, you know, there's some swelling there, but it could have been worse. It was, if it was in the calf, it was in the quad or something, it might have shut the muscles down. But it ended up happening, you know, it's like a UFC fighter. When they, they have those strategic spots, they kick on the other person to shut their legs down. Unfortunately, that's kind of what happened to me, and I didn't even know what was happening. That was what was frustrating.
2: Adam Wainwright with us on your home for the Cardinals, KMOX. Uh, We we see fans know your work on the field and off the field. Uh, You've had so many years now doing great stuff with Big League Impact, uh, raised, what, a million dollars again this year for people. And I want to make sure we take a minute to talk about the event coming up on November 12th that Kyle Gibson is hosting, but had to be moved back because Kyle's playing in the World Series.
4: Yeah, that's a, such a great reason to have to postpone an event, I think. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> the all-time greatest reason, you know. And I'm proud of him. I'm happy for him. He's such a wonderful person. He's a great, great friend of mine and, and has a huge heart to help people. And that event, out it's going to be out there at the uh, St. Louis Trafford Ski Club on November 12th. And all the money that's raised from that is going to go to Fight Hunger in Franklin County. I mean, it's just a wonderful event. Everybody loves shooting shotguns at clay pigeons. So uh, everybody... Hopefully sign up and go out there and have a great event. It's going to be great. Uh, and, and hanging out with Kyle, you'll see. This guy's amazing. He's he's, uh, he's one of the best people I know, and, and uh, he's going to help a lot of people also. So, um, unfortunately, his team got past us. I've been telling people, for a couple of weeks now, whoever won that series between us and them is going to win the World Series, and uh, I believe they will win the World Series.
2: They are obviously really good and had some really big moments in all of this in in this postseason as well. And you know, you look at the regular records; it's one thing, but I think it was what since the managerial change that they made, since they went to Rob Thompson, I think they were one of the two or three best teams in the league yeah. for the rest of the year. So, uh, obviously, hot team at the right time, right? That's what it's
4: all about, man. You know, you hate to say it, but it is all about playing well as a unit at the right time. We've seen that work for us. In 2006, that worked for us. In 2011, that worked for us. We've seen it. You know, we've been a part of, of that. We've we've also come up against it a few times. You know, we played against a, a giant team that we whooped in the regular season but got hot at the right time. We played against the national team that we whooped in the regular season and they got hot at the right time. Um, those guys end up winning the World Series. There was a couple of teams we went up against. If we get past them, we win those World Series. And uh, it's just not the way the cookie crumbles all the time. But, you know, that's why you go out and you play the game. You never know. You just keep going. You keep competing. And uh, sometimes the those bounces go your way. You get the big knocks. You get the big strikeout when you need it. You get those those key outs and big spots, and and uh, that's that's what Philly's been doing, and that's what Houston's been doing for a few years now. So there's going to be a great World Series starting tonight.
2: All right, Adam, thanks so much for doing this, man. Rest <laughs> up, get some good work in the off season. We'll look forward to catching up with you again in the spring. And I want to remind everybody, bigleagueimpact.org. You can find out more about the Big League Blast that Kyle Gibson's hosting coming up on November twelfth at the uh, Trap and Ski Club, the St. Louis Trap and Ski Club. And we'll pass that information along again a little bit later on. Thank you so much, Adam. We appreciate you, man. Okay, thanks,
3: buddy. That was uh, Adam Wainwright talking with the show earlier today. By the way, anything that we have, Cardinals-related here at KMOX, you can always find uh, part of the Cardinals Conversations podcast, KMOX.com, the Odyssey app. You really want to uh, be locked in on that because, obviously, we talk a lot of Cardinals baseball, not just here on Sports Open Line, but uh, on all of our shows here on KMOX, and you can always uh, find that uh just for yourself, by the way. Astros two nothing lead now on the Philadelphia Phillies after the Tucker home run to get things going in the second. Martin Maldonado had an RBI single, so it is now two nothing. The Astros with a lead. They are through. Uh, they are going. Uh, yeah, I guess they're through two innings now. Uh, with the Astros having the lead in Game One against the Phillies. We'll take a break. Come back. Wrap up a week's worth of shows. It's Sports Open Line. We're back with more after this here on KMOX. <music> Starting to wrap up this edition of Sports Open Line, a rare Friday show where we really haven't spent much time at all talking uh, football. Obviously, the World Series getting started tonight. That has taken uh, much of our attention. It is still 2-0, the Astros uh, with the lead. Not, Not a great weekend of college football from a national standpoint. Only a couple games involving uh two top 25 teams probably the game of the weekend number 3 Tennessee hosting number 19 Kentucky the other game involving two top 25 teams in the Big 12 number 9 Oklahoma State going to number 22 Kansas State uh but yeah outside of that just not not a lot of overly compelling matchups this weekend uh for Illinois it seems like there are still i think a lot of people that don't completely believe in that team they're legit, 6-1 and one overall, 3-1 and one in the league. They're going to uh, Nebraska this weekend. Nebraska's been a little bit better since uh, they made their coaching change at Illinois, about a touchdown favorite in that game. See if Missouri can come up with uh, back-to-back wins after they were able to find a way to beat Vanderbilt, and that's really what it was, and that's not a great look when you have to find a way to beat Vanderbilt. They're going to match up against a good South Carolina team. South Carolina might be the biggest surprise uh, in college football this year, they've won four in a row, and that includes wins against Kentucky and Texas A&M over the last two weeks. So it's going to be a tough matchup this weekend for uh, Missouri as they go to, like I like I like to say, the other Columbia to match up against uh, South Carolina. Other college football games of note uh, this weekend when we get to uh, F, uh, FBS player, FCS play, excuse me, uh, in the Ohio Valley Conference. One of the best stories in college football: Lindenwood sitting. with with their 5-2 and two record, they are going to uh, match up against William Jewell. And then we mentioned uh, the Missouri Valley Football Conference uh, earlier in the show when we had uh, Scott Warman on. Uh, but they've got um, Missouri State hosting Western Illinois this weekend. And then uh, Southern Illinois who's having a really, really good season. They are matched up against uh, Northern Iowa. So that's kind of the uh, local slate of games that will be going on uh, this weekend. I didn't know how much I wanted to mention this. I I don't like talking about people's personal lives. And I know when you break, when you are a high profile athlete, your personal life becomes fodder for people like me to talk about. Uh, But the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady, he made the announcement today that uh, he and his wife, supermodel Giselle, they have finalized a divorce after 13 years of marriage. And, I, I don't have comments on the divorce, but the only thing I would, I would want to say on this, think about the work and the focus and the attention to detail it takes to be a high-level quarterback in the National Football League. And then think about trying to do all of that while you're going through a divorce. Now, if he's not going through a divorce, is Tampa Bay a better team this year? Uh, pro i don't know uh but it can't help it it cannot help and i don't know i'm not i'm not one to take shots at anybody i i, I hesitated even talking about this because I don't feel like it's really my job to talk about people going through uh, divorces but just think about it from a from a very football standpoint compared you know with what's going on in your personal life he's going through a divorce and he's trying to play NFL football as a quarterback that's not easy Talk to you Monday at Sports Open Line on KMOX. T-Mobile has invested
0: billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.